beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves, and the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. So we are going to do something a little different today. We are going to walk through the results of the podcast listener survey that I put out this summer for listeners of the show, 10 Things to Tell You, which must be you if you're listening. I put this survey out in... June, July, and the beginning of August, because I wanted to hear from you. I wanted to get a pulse on this community, specifically about this show, of course, but also sort of take a peek inside of what is happening in the bigger picture podcasting industry and like how that relates to this particular audience and community. And also because the show was on hiatus in 2022, I brought it back at the very end of the year. And so now that we've been back for, you know, seven plus months, I just kind of wanted to see where we're at. So there are lots of reasons that we do podcast listener surveys. But the reason that I'm sharing it here with you as an episode Well, I'm doing that for a few reasons. One is I love it when other shows do things like this, like show a peek behind the curtain of how things are working, you know, how decisions are being made, what the results of something like this survey can be. Like I just enjoy hearing that type of thing as a break from, you know, normal content, especially with something that you maybe are really invested in. You do want to hear 
a little bit of how the sausage is made, if you will. Which brings me to the other reason I wanted to do this episode is because I wanted you to participate in this next part of the process. So whether you actually literally filled out the survey or not, I do feel like the survey was representative in general of the audience here. And so I wanted to share with you the results. And I want you to feel like you are part of this show and this thing that we are all building together. Now, a couple of things I want to talk about before we talk about the actual results. One is the balance that creators have to strike in listening to an audience or, you know, making their thing. And then also the podcast industry as a whole. So first of all, any kind of audience survey or anytime you crowdsource from the consumer, from the customer, from the reader or the listener, there is a very tenuous balance between a creator creating from a place of art or skill, you know, a creator knowing what they want to be making and doing that outside of too many cooks in the kitchen, like outside of having so many voices in your head that it really changes and morphs this thing that you're trying to make. Balancing that with being realistic about listening to what people want to take in or listen to or read or buy. It's kind of a weird relationship between creator and consumer. I don't quite love the word consumer because it sounds a little bit cold and I do not think of you as cold. I also don't love the word audience because it sounds a little high and mighty, like I'm on some sort of a stage. And that's not quite right either. But I'm just not exactly sure about all these words here. Maybe we'll just go with listener in terms of our survey and and our community here. So anyway, I say all that about creator and audience because this is why I don't put out a survey every single year. And I know a lot of shows do. And I can imagine that it's pretty helpful, especially from a business perspective, because one big part of why you do a survey like this is not just the art part, but is the business part. You need to get a hold of your demographics. You need to sort of understand what is landing and what isn't, and if you should continue making a certain type of thing or not, like there's the creator side that is working from the heart. And then there's the creator side that is like, this is a business and I have to understand my audience. I have to understand who I am making this thing for. And so in that balance, it is not something that I personally can return to every single year. I feel like I could get really thrown off my own path and my own intuition if I did an audience survey every single year. Not to mention the part of an audience survey that is really vulnerable for the creator. I mean, you are asking for direct feedback. And even though it's anonymous and hopefully you're asking people who generally like what you're doing or they wouldn't be listening regularly enough to fill out an audience survey. But still, it is very vulnerable to put yourself out there and say, do you like this? check yes or no. (laughs) And so again, this isn't something that I could do every single year because I just can't put myself in that position. 
like emotionally, if I was a creator who pulled my audience all the time, I think I would stop creating. I've sort of always, since the beginning of my time of creating on the internet, I've always sort of stuck to that saying that you can't listen too much to the critics, but you can't listen too much to the raving fans either. Like you have to sort of keep your equilibrium somewhere in the middle. If you start creating for the trolls or the haters or the people who are not your people, if you start creating for them, you're really going to go off the rails for the type of thing you're supposed to be making. And by the way, every creator I know has done that, has created something in response to the haters (laughs) and not like in a creative subversive way, but like just buckled under that pressure. You kind of know it when you're doing it totally sucks. And it has definitely been the reason that some people end up stopping any kind of creative work or any public facing work. You also can't totally create for raving fans either. They are equally as unreliable for discerning whether a thing is good or not. Now, I will take a raving fan any day over a troll, clearly. But you can't only listen to praise or you'll never evolve. You'll never grow. You'll never truly understand what's working or what's not. So that's what I want to say about my approach to listener surveys and why I haven't put one out since 2020. The last time I did a podcast listener survey was in the fall of 2020, a little over a year and a half from when I started this show. I started this show in the early months of 2019. And so this is about right. When you take 2022 off the table, when I wasn't making new episodes, to do a listener survey roughly every couple of years feels about right for what I'm doing and what I'm making. But that brings me to sort of the podcast industry as a whole. So when I first started podcasting, I was a co-host on the Sorta Awesome podcast created by Meg Teets. Sorta Awesome is a girlfriend chat show. It's actually a lot more than that. It's informative. It's community. It's so many things. And that show means so much to so many people. But just in terms of like genre, it is sort of a girlfriend chat show. It is a stand in for your favorite friends talking about relevant topics. That was my first time on a microphone. I had no idea what I was doing. And that was in 2015. I'm almost positive. Is that right? 2014, 2015. So eight, nine years ago, that is a century in internet time. And podcasts were really different when I started on Sorta Awesome. There weren't a lot of shows, especially like that one out there. The format was more casual, less polished. I mean, that show is always very professional sounding, but it just, you know, it was trailblazing in a lot of ways. It was making it up as it went along. There weren't as many examples of what Meg was trying to do back then. And, you know, the business side of it was very, very different. Podcasts were still monetized by ads, but it just looked super different. There weren't as many ad networks the threshold to qualify to be in an ad network was different. Like everything was different. It feels like a lifetime ago. And then the next show that I made, I created 
and Meg produced was Smartest Person in the Room. Now, that was a series-based show, and I purposefully did not monetize that show, and so it had no ads on it, and there was never a plan for that. If that's your creative model, that does give you a lot of freedom because when you're not trying to satisfy advertisers, then you're less worried about download numbers, promotion, high-profile guests. That show, Smartest Person in the Room, which actually objectively did well from a download perspective, but it was also one of the only things I've ever done in my career that was done just for the sake of doing it. Like I really wanted to have those conversations. I really wanted to figure out how to make a good audio program and having the freedom from worrying about how well it did or not, like just being able to make something that I loved making and that I hoped others enjoyed. That was like a whole different way to be. But that's also not sustainable from a career standpoint. When I was making Smartest Person in the Room, I did try to put those episodes out regularly, but it wasn't on a schedule. You know, if I was late, I was late because, again, it didn't matter. Like, it was more than a hobby because I was trying to create something serious that I hoped would, you know, lead to something else. But it was also immune to the pressures of sustaining an actual business. So 10 Things to Tell You, this show, which again, I started in early 2019, it is the first show that I have made that I treated like a job, a career that needed to turn a profit where I needed to pay attention to downloads. And now looking back, 2019 was the glory days of podcasting in some ways. There were quite a few great ad networks that were flush with advertising dollars and they were ready to partner with independent shows like mine. And even though by 2019, there was already an insane influx of podcasts, it turned out to be a sweet spot for me in terms of I had experience. I was not new at podcasting. I'd already been on two shows and been a guest on many others. So I wasn't like totally starting from scratch when I started 10 Things to Tell You on top of that I already had built up an audience, which if you're starting a show right now, that is the biggest hurdle. If you have not already built an audience somewhere else on a different platform, it is so hard to build an audience in podcasting, mostly because there's so many amazing shows out there. Everyone you know has started a podcast, and for good reason, but also it makes the space really competitive. And this seems to be true across all genres. Every podcaster I've ever talked to, no matter what they are making, feels the competition in podcasting in a way that hasn't always been there. And for independent podcasters and shows like this one, it becomes really difficult to compete with huge celebrities that start shows with obviously, you know, a built-in audience from whatever they're famous for and shows that are backed by big networks, like not independent shows, meaning I'm an independent show. I make my show myself. I'm partnered with an ad network, but I'm not part of a big podcast network that sort of helps you grow your show and and promotes all the different shows from their network so that, you know, you kind of get 
a higher profile by being in a big podcast network. I am not that. I am an independent show. And so as podcasting has exploded, and again, really big names or big corporations have started putting shows out, it becomes really hard to compete with it. But that's how blogging was. That's how the world works. That's how social media is. So that was not necessarily a surprise to me as podcasting started to explode that I was going to have to grapple with the competition of that. The only thing that's a little bit different is that when I was blogging or on social media, people can follow a lot of different creators on social, online, in a newsletter, like what uh, any other way that a person is creating. You can follow a lot of people because you're just scrolling or it just takes a few minutes to read a blog post or watch a video on TikTok. So your average audience member can follow and keep up with, you know, a lot of people, hundreds of people conceivably. And that's not true for podcasting. You cannot listen to more than one podcast at a time. You can really only listen to a handful of shows in a week. You simply can't keep up with all the shows that you want to. It's not possible. It's not like scrolling. When you press play on an episode that's an hour long, that's an hour of your day that you can't give to another podcaster. And so the competition isn't just about celebrity shows versus small independent shows. It's also about time. And so that's something that as a creator, I always am staying aware of. Like, what can I be offering to you, the listener, that makes someone press play on 10 Things to Tell You over something else? So while that's all going on in the background of 2019, when I started 10 Things to Tell You, it still felt like, like I said, a golden age in my own podcast journey, at least, because then in 2020, we all know what happened. The pandemic hit. Two things happened simultaneously in the pandemic that greatly affected every podcaster I know. So listenership radically changed in this time. For most of us, it went down because people's routines, maybe they listen to shows when they're getting ready in the morning or they listen to shows when they're on their morning commute or when they're running or exercising, like they have a certain way, you, we, audiences have a certain way in which they consume their favorite podcasts. And suddenly when the world stopped, everybody's routines changed. So you weren't having a morning commute anymore or suddenly your children are at home all day when they weren't before. So it's not quite in your house. So you don't have your earbuds in. Like everybody's life changed and that really affected podcast listening across the board. Now, there was sort of an evening out period where it felt like, you know, maybe some people were going to listen to more shows than they were before because time was different in 2020. So maybe you had more time to listen to shows than you had before. So there was like a little bit of a balance. But for most people I know, podcast downloads drastically fell in 2020. And then alongside that, because businesses, especially small businesses of the type that tend to advertise on podcasts, also had enormous declines in their own revenue. So they tightened their advertising budgets, which is the way of saying that they did not want to pay for advertising anymore. So not only were our, our downloads tanking, our ad revenue was tanking right alongside of it. And so 2020 was rough 
for a lot of online creation, but especially podcasts. And I know that a lot of people spent a good chunk of 2021 recovering from that. From my standpoint, and again, I'm an independent podcaster with a very particular perspective, but I do not think that the industry has really recovered at all from what happened in 2020. I don't know if advertisers looked at if podcast advertising was really working all that well or not, or that there was just so many industry shakeups across the board that it just really changed the way that advertisers felt about advertising and how creatives thought about making this thing that was suddenly making a lot less money or had a lot more competition because in the pandemic, people also wanted to start podcasts because we were all at home and this is a thing that you can do at home. Lots of factors here, but here we are in 2023. And like many other industries, I don't think podcasting has quite recovered from it. So I'm giving you all of that backstory because I want you to be thinking as we walk through these results and just as you listen to podcasts in your life, what's going on behind the scenes in this space? Because it's multi-layered and it's complicated. And there are things that I know general listeners just don't always think about. And so I wanted to just sort of explain some of where I was coming from before we walk through the actual podcast listener results for 10 things to tell you, which we'll jump into right now. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating and, yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, com and use code U, Y-O-U. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. 
With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, dot com, and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. Okay, first, some basic data. I hosted this survey using Typeform. I'm showing that in case you ever need to host a survey for yourself. There are many options. You can do it in Google Docs. You can do it in SurveyMonkey. I had used Typeform before and really liked the way the survey looked and how it functioned and how it delivered results. So about a thousand people filled out the 10 Things to Tell You podcast listener survey. When I ran this similar survey in 2020, about 1,200 people filled it out. And so a little bit less this time, but it was also the summer. I was mainly promoting it in July when I was airing some replays here, which I love those replays. Those are some of the best episodes I've made on this show. If you haven't listened to those replays back in July, make sure you go check them out. But replays and also the summer always means a bit of a dip in downloads. So there's a possibility that you know not as many people heard about the survey as they would have if I had run it in a different time of year. For me, this is what worked in my own life and in my own schedule. And as I've talked about on this show a few times, I'm going through a bit of a reset this summer in a few different ways. And this listener survey was part of all of that. So a thousand people to me, while just a fraction of the audience here, still felt like a pretty solid sampling of people. You know, I don't know if I'd had double that if the results would have been all that different. So I feel all right, about a thousand people filling out this 27 question survey. The first question I asked was, how long have you been listening to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast? And let me just start and tell you that six people, (laughs) six people out of the 1,000 people who filled out the survey, six people responded with, I do not listen to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. Well, welcome and thank you. Why are you clicking through to fill out a podcast listener survey for a show you do not listen to? I've honestly thought about it. Did their thumb slip? Did they accidentally select that? Or did they really just want me to know that they do not listen to my show? I don't know. I don't know what happened with those six people, but (laughs) that is how they answered the first question, which the way that the form is set up, if that is how you answer the first question, it's just like, thanks for being here. Like it takes you to the end. You don't then get to answer any of the other questions if you answer that way, which makes me wonder how those six people felt when they clicked that. And then they were like, thanks so much. Have a great day. (laughs) That's the end of the survey for you. Anyway, six people answered that, but the majority of the people filled it out like normal functioning humans. And 56.9% percent of people. So over half of the listeners who filled out the survey have been listening to 10 Things to Tell You since the beginning in 2019. I can't say that that totally shocked me. I have felt like a lot of people have listened from the beginning, but it did absolutely warm my heart and make me happy. People who have been around listening to me blather on in your ears for all this time, I am so grateful for you and thank you for being here 
I know, like I already said, that there's a lot of shows out there that you could listen to. So this was a really sort of beautiful stat for me to see. 36.4% of people have been listening for a few years now, and 6% of people started listening in 2023. Question number two is, how did you find the 10 Things to Tell You podcast? And a couple things here. I will say that these questions, every single one of them has a purpose. I mean, I really thought very hard about what I wanted to ask. Now, there are some things that I wanted to know for straight demographic purposes, your age, your income, your education level. That is the type of information I might share with advertisers or any kind of partners who just wants to get a handle on what my average audience looks like. So that's just sort of demographics versus, you know, preferences and things, which we are going to get to. For this question, how did you find the 10 Things to Tell You podcast? Of course, this is information for me to know what is working in terms of growing an audience. Like, how did you find the show? 38% of people answered that they were a sort of awesome listener or a smartest person in the room listener who has followed me throughout my podcasting journey. So, so kind. Those are, I'm sure, the same people who also answered the first question that they'd been around from the beginning. I do not take that lightly at all. Thank you for being here. 28.9% of people answered that they follow me on social media and they heard about it directly from me in that way. This was very interesting and helpful for me to hear because I feel like I'm not great at promoting the show. It's funny because there's all kinds of different skill sets with podcasting. Like you have to be good on mic. You have to be good with interviews. You have to be tech savvy. You also have to be a natural marketer, which I am not. I am not great at marketing and promotion. So hearing that so many people found the show because they follow me and I talked about it at some point just reminded me that I actually probably need to talk about the show more often on my social channels because I don't. 22% said they heard me on another podcast and came to check it out. That makes sense. 14.4% answered, I honestly have no idea, <laughs> which uh, fair. I feel like that's how I would say about almost every show I listen to. I have no idea how I got here. And yet here I am. 6.1% of people said a friend told me about the podcast. Love hearing this because podcasting is notoriously hard to share. I mean, if you're on Facebook or some kind of platform that allows you to link out to an episode, maybe you can link to the show in Apple Podcasts or you can link to a website or show notes if the show has that. But it's actually sort of hard to share podcast episodes or it's just you have to be like thoughtful about it. You can't just share an episode as easily as you can share other things. So when people tell their friends about certain episodes or share it on social, that's the best way to help podcasts grow. So in case you were ever wondering how to help out your favorite podcasts, leaving a great review on iTunes is a huge one. But I really covet your shares. Again, in social or just texting a friend and be like, hey, I think this episode would really resonate with you or whatever it is. That's 6% of people. 2.7% of people found it in an internet or podcast app search. I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> that means they searched for the topic or the guest or something on Google or in their podcast app and 10 Things to Tell You came up. So in case you didn't know, this is why titles matter. So how you title an episode affects how it comes up in any kind of a search engine. So if you've ever wondered why certain podcast episodes are titled really long or like in a way that you're sort of like, why is that the title? 
it might be for search purposes, in case you're wondering. That's a great way for people to find you. And it's definitely something I think about when I title this show and when I'm creating the show notes on the 10 Things to Tell You website. So the next set of questions were really focused on demographics. And rather than go through each of these individually, I will just summarize the results. The bulk of 10 Things to Tell You listeners are women, no surprise there, between the ages of 37 and 55. By and large, most of you live in the U.S. with only 8.5% of listeners living outside of the USA. It was actually higher than I would have anticipated. And interestingly enough, we have listeners from every single state, which I thought was kind of cool. You all are absolute smarty pantses. 95% of you have a college degree or higher. Nearly 50%, nearly half of 10 Things to Tell You listeners have a graduate degree. What? I don't have a graduate degree. So y'all are amazing. The majority of you are married with at least one or two children. The average household income is between $100,000 and $200,000 annually. And I did ask a question about religion or spirituality, and the bulk of you identify as Christian. And the next largest percentage, the next biggest group, identifies as spiritual but not religious. After all of those demographic questions, I asked about listening habits. Question number 10 asked, which best describes your overall podcast listening habits? 51.1% of 10 Things to Tell You listeners are podcast fanatics. They listen to at least one podcast episode a day of anything, not this show, of course. Their podcast app is open. Their earbuds are in. They spend a lot of time in the car. Whatever their life looks like, most of y'all are fanatics. 36.9% responded that they were podcast hobbyists, meaning that they listen to podcasts regularly, probably a few times a week. 11.4% of respondents said that podcasts are nice. I have a handful of podcasts that I listen to sometimes. And then 0.7%, so under 1% of respondents said that 10 Things to Tell You is the only podcast I listen to. I am taking that response, first of all, thank you, but also as a balance to the six people who answered question one with, I do not listen to 10 things to tell you. (laughs) So number 11, how would you classify listening to the 10 things to tell you podcast? 46.2 was the largest response here. 46.2% of you reported that you listen to most episodes of this show. 30.2%, which is a big chunk of people, 30.2% said that they listen sporadically when the topic or the guest interests me. So this goes back to what I was talking about earlier in the competitive space of this. I understand why with so many amazing shows and content creators and videos and all the amazing things that are on the internet right now, it isn't how it was back when I was on Sorta Awesome, for example, where people were really loyal to the podcast that they listened to. Like they never missed an episode. That was kind of a common refrain back then. That feels very uncommon now. A lot of us, myself included, as an avid podcast listener, I am also choosing, even amongst my favorite shows and favorite people, I'm also choosing by topics or guests. Like there's so many amazing things that I want to listen to that if it seems like there's an episode that is skippable for me, like, oh, that's not something I'm all that into. I'll catch this show next week, that kind of thing. That's going to happen. Clearly, that's happening with a lot of you as well. 
22.4, God bless you, I love you so much, 22.4% of you never miss an episode of 10 Things to Tell You. I love you. You are what keeps me doing this, to be honest. And 1.1% of people responded, I rarely listen to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. Now, again, I'm glad that we have a handful of people who are filling out the survey from the mindset of, they don't listen to this show. (laughs) But it also makes me wonder, but why would you fill out this survey? But I'm here for the truthfulness. Number 12, how do you find out about new episodes of 10 Things to Tell You? This is another one where I was trying to figure out where my best marketing and and promotion efforts should go, where you are already finding out about a new show. 87.8% of you subscribe in the podcast app. And thank you for doing that. Subscribers are huge for all podcasters. It doesn't mean that you have to listen to every single episode just because you have subscribed. But it really does help with the bump in our numbers. It helps in that you know, maybe you wouldn't have known about an episode otherwise if it wasn't coming up regularly in your podcast app. So if it is something that you're interested in, I would love it if you would subscribe to 10 Things to Tell You. 87.8% of you already do. 55.2% of you follow me on social media. Now, this was a question where you could click several different answers. And so it's not one or the other. People who have subscribed in their podcast app may also follow me on social media. So they selected both answers. I was just trying to find out, again, where people find out about new episodes. 39.6% of people follow 10 Things to Tell You on social media. If you did not already know, 10 Things to Tell You, the show, has its own Instagram account where I always post new episodes there. We also have a Facebook page. 17% of you subscribe to the weekly episode emails. I do appreciate that. That was actually a larger percentage here than I was expecting. If you are the type who would like to be reminded via email, we do send out an episode every single Tuesday morning with the show notes. This is also another way that you could get all the show notes sent to you if you wanted to know about this thing or the other thing that I talked about in the episode. It will be in the weekly episode emails. You can unsubscribe at any time, but it is handy if you want to find out what the episode is every single week. That is an option. 7.9% of people said that they just check in on the show when they're curious. And 0.1%, again, I have no idea. I'm so glad I included I have no idea as the answer to several of these questions because it it gave people something to answer instead of just scrolling on by. (laughs) And I love it. Number 13, tell me what types of episodes you prefer. Now, I did give a caveat when I asked this question in the survey, like, don't worry, I'm not going to go fully one way or the other. Personally, as a creator, I like mixing up the formats of this show. I like sometimes interviews. I love solo shows. I like prompt type episodes. I like book conversations. Like I like all of these things. And so I wasn't planning on cutting any of them, but I was very curious to see if there was some that you really resonated with the most or not. However, 52.6% of you (laughs) selected, please don't make me choose. Now, I debated when I created this question if I should even let you answer that way, like if I was going to force you to choose between solo episodes and guest episodes. But I just, I know y'all, I know me, I felt like I needed to give a third way for those who just couldn't choose. So 52.6 responded that way. Please don't make me choose. 33.5% of people selected solo shows. So 
That's just me talking like I'm doing right now. This is a solo show. I was surprised that 33.5% of you preferred solo shows, while only 13.9% of you preferred the guest shows, shows with me and at least one other guest. Now, letting people click, please don't make me choose, throws off this data a little bit. But in general, it is representative that y'all like solo shows best. I'm not sure if I'm surprised by that or not, but that's that's what it is. Question number 14, what is your ideal length of a 10 Things to Tell You podcast? 44.8% of you answered 30 to 45 minutes. 23.6% of you said an hour is your ideal length for an episode. 19.7% answered that length does not matter, which, you know, insert all the jokes. 9.6% of people responded they liked 30 minutes or less. So that's a pretty high percentage of people preferring that when I almost never have episodes that are 30 minutes or less, <laughs> even though, you know what, maybe I would prefer that too. I'm just wordy. And 2.7% of you answered that you liked over an hour. So I'm clinging to y'all, the 3% of you that don't mind the longer shows. Question number 15, what is your favorite type of content on the 10 Things to Tell You podcast? Unsurprisingly, the two most popular answers here, and this was another one where you could do multiple choice, so it's not an exact percentage out of 100 because people probably chose more than one. But still, unsurprisingly, the top two answers was 76% of people preferred personal episodes about Laura. These are life updates, favorite things, etc. And 71.1% of people are books and reading. I actually thought books and reading might top anything else, but personal episodes was the biggest. Books and reading was the next. Topical conversations with a guest about current events or friendship, etc. was 61%. Introspection and journal prompts was 57.8%, which at this point, you know, topic and types are so subjective that I'm looking at any of these that are over 50%. I'm considering those like solid things to continue doing. How-to episodes just squeak in there. How-to episodes are like skincare, photo organization, etc. 52.8% answered that they like those. And then coming in very last, 26.7% really like the author interviews. Here's the thing about author interviews. And I am an author, so I do author interviews on other shows. And I have authors on my show because I care about books. I care about reading I deeply care about the publishing industry and that, you know, we get to keep writing books, which means that we have to promote those books. And that's all sort of part of the deal. So I both understand why it ranked kind of low on this question. But I do want you to know that I try to be really thoughtful about the authors that I have on the show I really want to make sure that it is a good fit for you, that you're going to take something not only from our conversation, but also from their book. If the conversation led you to buy the book, like I do not take the responsibility of that lightly. And so I get why it's not everyone's favorite, especially if you see the same author in a lot of different places, like hitting a lot of your favorite shows, which is a thing that happens, a thing that I have done and been a part of. And I hope that you will just understand 
why that happens and that listening to an author on a podcast can be the best way to get to know them or to become interested in their topic or their work. I could very easily scroll by a social media post or even hear a friend kind of recommend something and not be all that excited about it until I hear the actual author talking about this thing that they are passionate about enough that they've written a whole book. It really can change how you feel about the work. And so that's why we do it. That's why I care a lot about that. Even though in question 16, which is what is your least favorite type of content on the 10 Things to Tell You podcast, it mirrors the responses that I got in the question before that was what was the most. People's least favorite type of content on the 10 Things to Tell You podcast is author interviews. 38.4% of people said that is their least favorite. And on down the line, this question mirrors exactly what people's most favorite. So question number 17 is for me to kind of understand what you like about the interview episodes. So the question is, for guest episodes, do you prefer, and then one of the answers was, someone you've heard of or that feels like an authority. So it's another podcaster, it's an expert, it's an author. 37.3 of y'all prefer that. A surprising number of people preferred guest episodes where it was my personal friends, where we have an obvious rapport. An example of those would be like the secret tapes, episodes, leaks that I have shared, or when I have a friend on to talk about whatever style, the internet, books, all those things. Friends that I have an obvious rapport with, y'all voted 34.1% of you liked that. 14% of you answered that you liked listener episodes, like the friendship stories. So these are guest episodes, but not with someone, you know, that is an expert or an authority on the thing we're talking about. It's maybe just a listener and them sharing some of their stuff. The friendship stories series is the greatest example of that. And 4.1% of you said that you don't like the guest episodes at all. You just apparently greatly prefer the solo episodes or you're one of those respondents who doesn't like the show, (laughs) but filled out the survey anyway. The largest answer here on this question, 39.7% said that it doesn't matter to me because I decide to press play for other reasons, like the topic or something like that, that the guest itself isn't what matters about why they press play. So that was interesting to note for sure. Question number 18, what is the thing that most makes you press play on a 10 Things to Tell You episode? And 60.5% replied that it was the topic. It was the topic. Wasn't the guest. Wasn't the length. Only 1.4% of you responded that it was the length that made you press play or not. And only, get this, 0.9, under 1% responded that it was the guest that makes you press play. I mean, that is mind-blowing to me because when I have had higher profile guests or guests that I think that you at least already know or maybe follow on social or something, I would assume that's why you press play is because you want to hear from them. Apparently not. Under 1% answered that it was the guest that makes you press play the most. The title was 2.5% of people. So it's either a funny or compelling title, or maybe I titled it to do better in the search engines, like we already discussed. Only 2.5% of you press play because of the title. The other big chunk of people that responded, so besides topic being the number one answer here, the next biggest answer at 34.7% is that you press play on 
10 Things to Tell You standards. So standards episodes I defined as the prompts episodes, the best books lately, the favorite things, episodes that I sprinkle in all throughout the year, every few weeks. Those are what make you press play. So that makes sense to me. The next question, question number 19, was a little open-ended, so I let you fill it out. I ask, are there any topics, guests, or show ideas that you'd like to suggest? Here are just a sampling. There were literally hundreds of answers here, so I'm just going to give you a sampling of some of the things that were either repeated or stuck out to me. Someone said grief. Someone suggested a favorite things episodes, but that were not my favorite things, (laughs) maybe from previous guests or even from listeners. I love that idea. We got a few answers for menopause. Someone asked for more on parenting, which I thought was fascinating. And then this one stuck out to me because this is actually something I've been thinking about as well. Someone said more discussion and viewpoints on current events. So I've actually thought about this for myself. I, for a long time, really focused on making episodes here evergreen. So meaning you didn't have to listen to them that week or you could always come back to them. Like they were a little bit timeless or at least specifically not time constrained necessarily. And I have done that because I wanted the show to constantly be like a resource or like a library almost of prompts and thoughts and that kind of thing. But I have almost had a hankering (laughs) to talk a little bit more about things that are not quite so timeless that are happening right now, more cultural events and thoughts and opinions. This is something that I do more on secret stuff, my Patreon, just because it seems like you can riff and be a little more casual about cultural events when you're not trying to make evergreen episodes, when you're not trying to make episodes that are serving as a quote-unquote library of content. So I that one stuck out to me because that's something I've been thinking about that I kind of want to do. The next couple of questions were just for my own internal purposes. How do you interact with 10 Things to Tell You outside of listening to it? This is me just trying to figure out if you follow the show on social, that kind of thing. I also ask if you've ever purchased anything because it was recommended on the show or because there was an advertisement for it on the show. Here was a question that surprised me (laughs) a little bit, I guess because I think of myself primarily as a writer who also podcasts, even though technically, I mean, I podcast every single week, so I'm a podcaster who occasionally writes, truth be told. So maybe I'm the one that should be surprised at this question when really it's obvious to everyone else. But Question number 23 was, have you read either of Laura's books in any format? And 16.4% of people said that they have not read either of my books. Now, I don't take that personally like I'm not mad about it. I think it's funny because both of my books came out of this show. So like presumably, if you like the show, you would like the books. Now, that's not always true. Also, some people just aren't readers. Like I totally understand that. Or maybe the opposite is true. Maybe We're such reading fanatics in this community that our to-read piles are toppling, and my books are not the ones that get bumped to the top of the pile. Believe me when I say I understand that. I just sort of thought it was funny because, again, my books are basically extensions of this show. Otherwise, besides that answer of they haven't read either, there were large percentages that had read one or both already. So thank you, of course, for that. I also ask a few questions about my membership community on Patreon, Secret Stuff. This is just me trying to figure out from this sampling why people do or do not join over there. There were no surprises. Many people are not interested at all in a paid community. 
you know, no matter what it is. Many other people already support a lot of creators, and you just simply cannot support every single person that you like or listen to, which I really get. I do want to circle this back to what we talked about in the beginning and that the reason that so many podcasters that you know have started Patreon is not because it's some big money grab or something. It was absolutely what I already talked about from an industry perspective of advertising dollars having really shifted. And so if you're going to be doing this work, if you're going to be putting all this time and effort into making a show, you have to find a way for compensation, basically. Now, some people have podcasts that absolutely are feeding some other part of their career. Like they do make more money with their books or classes or, you know, some other way. But a huge percentage of podcasters, they make money if they make money at all, which isn't everybody, but they make it from advertising. So when the advertising starts to dry up, they look for other ways. Patreon and paid communities are one of those ways. And while you can be for or against or neutral on the idea of listener-supported content, I am just explaining kind of the meaning behind that and that it's not like some kind of greedy thing. This is a job, and I am so grateful that creators have gotten creative and innovative with how to make it work for them because it's inspired me for sure. The last question was an open-ended one, again, that said, please tell me of any episodes of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast that really stand out to you as a favorite or that you still think about and recommend. And what I was hoping for this question was, if you have an episode that has, you know, really gave you a light bulb moment or something over the years that you still talk about or think about or tell people about, whatever first comes to mind when you read this question, I really wanted to hear the types of episodes that are making the biggest impact. And what was funny about it is, and this always happens, and I knew this was going to happen, but you're going to get, when you ask a thousand people a question like this, you're going to get a huge chunk of people who say they're over a certain type of episode and another chunk of people who say that's their favorite type of episode. So what seemed to be the prominent answer in this question was, you know, a lot of people were like, I'm over the friendship stories or the friendship topic, like, let's move on. And then there was a lot of other people, about the same number of people, who were like, I love the Friendship Stories series. Like, that's been so helpful or interesting or whatever. So I'm those are going to cancel each other out. Some people aren't going to like those. Some people are going to love those. The Friendship Stories series in general is over for right now. But I just, I think it's a part of reading through these answers where you maybe start to get real, some real insight from someone like sharing why they really don't like a certain type of episode or uh, something like that. And then literally the next comment or the next answer will be the exact opposite of how much they really love this format or this topic. And so that is a little bit of whiplash when I'm reading through these and trying to like stay really centered and like hear the legit criticisms and what seems to not be working. And then also hear that like a lot of people seem to love the exact same thing that I'm thinking through. So it's complicated is what I'm saying. But I really did read every single one of these. And so if you shared some of your past favorites or in the other open-ended question, if you shared topics, guests, or show ideas that you wanted to suggest, I read through all of these. And it was truly helpful for me to hear what you guys are still loving after all these years, which are book episodes, introspection, and journal prompt episodes, and then the things that weren't quite working for you. I am not discounting 
that for some people, the Friendship Stories series from the spring ran its course. Even knowing that other people really loved it and hearing in these responses that other people really loved it, when I say that it canceled each other out, I don't mean that I didn't take that to heart, like that I didn't listen to what was really being said there. There were a few people who said another thing that's sort of been on my mind a little bit about wanting maybe some more consistency to the show's pacing. Now, they, you know, a few people said this, so they said it in different ways. But what I was gleaning from it was they're just not quite sure what to expect from the show (laughs) week to week. Now, in the past, I have looked at that as providing variety and that variety is good. Like sometimes it's a prompt episode. Sometimes it's a book episode. Sometimes it's favorite things. Sometimes it's a guest. Like I like creating variety and I, you know, thought I liked surprising you with variety. And some of you, I think, like that also based on your answers. But I also get that there might be a need in this podcast era of picking and choosing across hundreds of amazing shows that are in your podcast app that sort of having some consistency to knowing what they're going to get from 10 Things to Tell You might be nice, might feel a little less chaotic. It doesn't feel chaotic to me, but I do understand there's a tipping point between spontaneity and variety and and chaos. And so I, I want to be mindful of that with the show going forward. There were just lots of great comments. I really appreciate every single one of you who took time to type this out. It was It was just really helpful to me because everybody was thoughtful about it. Nobody was like rude or weird or made me want to cringe or hide or cry. <laughs> Everyone really had some great commentary. And even if you didn't fill out the open-ended ones, just filling out the multiple choice questions, it's very helpful to me. And in my season of resetting, especially getting such thoughtful feedback was really nice. So I appreciate it. Listen, this has been a ride of an episode. And unlike anything that I've done in a while, does this count as spontaneity (laughs) or variety? Well, no matter. I wanted to share this with you because you are a part of the show. Whether you fill out the survey or not, you are listening you are here, maybe you follow on social, and I value all of that. So thank you, friends, for being a part of what we are all creating here. It really matters to me. So thanks for listening. Now go share something. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening.